Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Zarar. My name is Chaba. I'm Cheesy. And I'm Hino. Uh, today, uh, today, we're going to talk about things that generally prevent con- continuous delivery from materializing. So we all have aspirations to deploy frequently, kill the Dora metrics, you know, crank them up to the highest level possible. But sometimes there are, there are things that just prevent that from happening and and leaves us kind of scratching our heads and go, how do we do continuous delivery in an environment which has so many constraints or so many policies? Um, so let, let's go around the table and, and kind of talk about what are some things that generally prevent continuous delivery? I'll start, because this is fresh in my mind, is this idea of pen testing. Because I think a lot of companies have this idea where they develop a bunch of software and then they have an external vendor which does pen testing or an external tool that does pen testing, which costs a lot of money to use. So, well, you can't use it like every day or every story because that would cost a lot of money. So they do it in large batches. Apparently, the argument is that you can't deploy frequently to production because you haven't done pen testing on the feature you developed over the last couple of days or or a sprint or whatever. How do you attack that problem? How do you coach a team like that and go, this is how you do continuous delivery despite the constraint uh, of, uh, of penetration testing. I'm going to uh, to add one more one more item, which is kind of similar to that when uh, an organization doesn't have the tools yet, but then they, they say, okay, we're going to start uh, building out the tool set, but because it's a very large organization, they have a huge bureaucracy to even acquire those tools, right? And then it's almost like, like they have to go through that entire tool, like tools evaluation process, and then what parts of the organization is using these tools, and and just this this entire entire um, uh, bureaucratic process that could delay from a decision that yeah we want to move towards continuous delivery could delay by even sometimes by six months the this uh, this initiative. So, so thank you for expanding on the problem, Chaba. When are we going to get the solutions, guys? I didn't know we had to come up with a solution. I thought we were just well, going to bitch for a while. Our listeners are waiting. They need to hear from Cheesy and Hino on how we're going to attack this problem. So for me, uh, I'm going to wax philosophical here for just a little while. Uh, whenever I think about what are the things that that keep people from achieving uh, continuous delivery, continuous deployment, I think fear and lack of freedom are, are, are the two, or perceived lack of freedom. The fear part is is uh, common in organizations where people are blamed if there's any sort of a problem. So fingers point really hard. So people tend to be afraid to try anything new. That 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 that's a strong power. Uh, the the perceived lack of freedom is one more around where people don't realize that they're empowered to, uh, to make change, or they they don't realize that that. You know, part of Agile is actually criti- critically looking at the way we're working and and making changes and such. And so I, I run into those two things all the time. But what you just r- described, Cheesy, is really that complacency, right? Uh, this is not the way it works around here. We're not going to challenge um, the processes that we have. And then I'm coming to basically to uh, to close the circle here on what Sarar said in the beginning is those organizational policies, those policies that say, well, when you do a deployment, you have to go through a pen test, for instance, right? That's that's one of them. I, there's, there's a gazillion other examples that are exactly the same, that are when you, uh, when you deploy or before you deploy, 
make sure that your code is frozen for two weeks. Um, dealing with, with uh, that as well at the same time uh, right now. So when you obviously when you need to freeze your code and cannot develop anything for two weeks, well, what, what, what's continuous about the deployment, right? So that's or, or the delivery. That's that's the next piece. So the things that need to uh, need to be done there, and we've talked about them in other uh, podcasts before, are um, basically making a, a difference between a release and a deployment in a very first. That's the very first step, right? So separate those two concerns. And, uh, and figure out how you can uh, tackle this with feature toggles and so forth. But definitely start that conversation. Like, for instance, there are the specific example about uh, penetration testing. Uh, does, it really, does it really make sense to, what, what is it? Let, let's first look at what is penetration testing uh, trying to do? It's trying to actually see if your code contains any vulnerability related to, uh, to security, right? So uh, yes, you have to do that regularly. It would be, uh, depending on, on the sensitivity of your data, and I think that every organization or application has sensitive data these days, you definitely need to ensure that you have your penetration testing done. But do you need to do it for every single small change? If you, com if you combine a regular penetration testing that can be in parallel to your deployment process uh, with um, making sure that the education is there for all the people contributing to your code, uh, that they indeed uh, apply good security practices, is that not good enough? Is that is that not uh, possible to to actually solve that that particular problem? We cannot underestimate the, the role of the leadership in these in these conversations, because uh, this is this is what we've seen and 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 you guys probably all see in your careers that when you have a leader who starts understanding, and it doesn't matter what part of the organization, if it could be IT or business, and start understanding the value of this, and then start evangelizing. The, the value of this and then and then there's an alignment forms in among the leadership then i think it it really uh, starts to overcome all those things that we kind of mentioned and also what i mentioned earlier this 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 procurement phase and 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 the fear and and and, and the complacency so I, I think if zara if you want solution then i have one word for you leadership uh, yeah, I want to push back on on one thing that 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 Hino said as well because whenever I talked about fear, and then I also talked about uh, this, this un, un you know not knowing that it's within people's power to to change things, he immediately wrote it off as complacency. But I don't see either one of those having anything whatsoever to do with complacency. You know, so, so sorry Hino, but I'm not going to push back on that. You know, uh, complacency does exist. Okay, sometimes, but uh, but but from from what I was trying to communicate was, you know, you know, developers who maybe don't aren't happy with what way things are. In fact, that's usually the case that I run into where they're not happy with how things are going at all. But they don't know that they're empowered to bring about change. They don't know about that the retrospective process, for example, is there for them to really bring up grievances to really try to come to solutions. You know, uh, the, the, so I, I think it's it's a little bit different. And uh, for the the pen testing, since everybody else got their 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 solution in for pen testing, and this is how Zarar works: is that he doesn't have to think for himself; he gets everyone else to think for him. But but I'll throw it out. You know, it it really comes down to not every risk is the same, right? And and so uh, a little bit of what Chaba was saying, which is that. You know, we have to start to really think about what are the risks, 
you know, and and security, unfortunately, is one of those trump cards that gets played all so often that, you know, hey, security, boom, stop everything you're doing. And, and and it's unjustifiable, not, not to say that security isn't important or if we have a security breach that it can't be a big issue. But but if I change uh, a CSS file, it's not a, you know, say, change uh, the padding on a, on a text field or something like that. Uh, that's not a security breach. So it's really about stepping back and being pragmatic about what we do and when we do it and not coming to this one size fits all uh, you know, every time you make any change, we have to do uh, a, a pen test. Hino mentioned that there's a policy that uh, that is often in, in, in place that people are afraid to challenge. Uh, but I have noticed that policy always trails practice, right? So it's almost like you have to wait for the policy to catch up. And the time period between the policy catches up to the practice, there's an immense amount of waste in that period. What is the best way to convey to teams or make teams kind of think about, hey, man, you're, the, the, the way you are doing things is actually outdated. It may have been the right way to do things three, four years ago, but because things change so frequently and tool sets change and, and all kinds of things change, you got to adapt quicker, right? How, how do you make that leap into the, in, in, into the organization? Like do an experiment. I, I know this is always my answer, and you guys probably laugh about it that, that I always come with an experiment. But but you can you can totally find one part of your organization that potentially doesn't have that 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 crazy criticality that sometimes or, sometimes organizations they, they 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 want to put off some of these changes because they pick that that the most riskiest one. I always bring up that example that look at those guys, look at they are the riskiest, right? So of course we cannot do it because of them, right? So don't pick those, don't pick them. Pick pick a pick a different part of the organization and run an experiment potentially where only one squad is involved or or a very very small uh, small part of the organization and and prove it that it can be done internally because unfortunately we try to tell our clients that look these and these and these and these people are all doing it but they say oh they are different no we are we are we are completely special we 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 cannot do that for and again no reason once they see it in their organization it, it's it's often a way in organizations sometimes uh only look at change as risk and they don't really often uh criticize critically look at the way that they're working right now. And, and I'll, I'll give a very, very brief example of this. So I once was working with a team, or, or, sorry, a, a group, probably everybody here has experienced this, where their production deployments were handled by a special team, uh, you know, that, that that's all they did. And so in order to uh, deploy something to production, uh, the teams that wanted to deploy something had to create a checklist you know, where they had to detail out every single possible step that could go into it. They also had to detail out, you know, what were the fallback plans. They had to go through and actually test this and then hand it off to this other group who was going to go through and do the deployment. And then they had to have some testers ready after the deployment to actually go out and make sure that everything was was right. An unbelievably risky, complex process one that is just so fraught with, with, with the possibility of disaster that, that, that we look at it and we just laugh and we shake our heads. And yet that was what they thought was sane. 
because they hadn't taken the time to step back and look at it. So their production deployments were a one-off, deployed completely different than the way it was every other time. And so, so I think that, that sometimes we need to shine the spotlight on these practices that are out there that people think are there to provide that safety net, you know, like some of the things that have been talked about now and how totally unsafe it really is to do things in this way. It's one of those those policies again that comes up, right? The policy that uh, you ha you have to test all these things, then you hand it off to another uh, department. That and uh, basically the the same thing as what what we said before. It, it really is all about those policies that exist and that actually drive certain behaviors. And the the first step that I always um, try to make with uh, with the teams that I'm working with is trying to uh, engage in a conversation with people responsible for those policies. And trying to figure out, okay, so why are they there in the first place? And trying to work with them to see if there's alternatives to help um, achieve basically the same outcomes as those policies are intended to achieve, right? And then see if we can, to use Java's uh, terminology, see if we can come up with a couple of experiments that get us a step closer in the direction of automating those policies or making the people who are responsible for them comfortable in collaborating with them uh, to ensure that we can uh, come up with a couple of things. I have a very concrete example that I've used many, many years ago where um, the same thing basically happened where, um, a, similar to, to what you just said, Cheesy, where all these things need to be tested, need to be written down in a document. That document needed to be handed over to a, uh, a team that will would deploy the application and so forth. And there was always a back and forth and the documents were never really good and everyone always needed to be available because they couldn't deploy something that I needed to uh, to run this with, uh, with that development needed to be there to, to help them out and so forth. And the first step that we took was, well, you know what? Let's see if we can have um, the operations people help us deploy the application into QA in the first place. And the only thing that we're doing is we're providing you with the operations manual or the installation guide or whatever you want to call it, and it has different names in different organizations. Um, the only thing that we're doing is we're providing you with the operations manual that you actually would need to use in production as well. And we as developers in QA sit next to you. And as you are going through this and you cannot do the actions or something goes wrong, uh, we will make updates to the document so that once you do it in production, the document should at least capture those things that, that it, it was missing right now. And this is how we slowly uh, built that, um, that trust with the operations team and how we could actually later uh, build towards, hey, what if you're using now our, automated tool, our automation tools, our scripts that we uh, deploy internally uh, our, our application to, to dev with and so forth and so forth. And step by step, we were able to uh, to break some of that. We never got to continuous delivery, but at least it was a step in that direction. And I, I, I still feel that collaborating and looking at it from the perspective of the people who are responsible for the policies, because they they feel that their work is is, is important and I have no reason to, to doubt uh, anything different. Um, you have to work a little bit from their perspective as well. So that's that's kind of my um, my piece of advice. Yeah, I just wanted to add add to that layer on on top of uh, of what, what Hino was saying about building the the um, that trust. And and I remember that uh, we had a conversation a while back about uh, when we would start a new team, how we'd want to start, 
right? And then we discussed that it would be awesome if as soon as the first line of code is written, we start developing the, the first line of, of, of deployment script or, or automation or, or whatnot, right? Because at the very beginning, there's risk is very, very low and we start building trust. So, so if we could, if we could potentially do the same thing, right, in the, in the organization, uh, uh, to also to what, what Hino mentioned that, that trust building now we combine with this, with this new application, because every organization always starts something new, right? Then, then that could be another potential, a potential way of building that trust that, yeah, this, this can, this can work. As I listen to you guys and, uh, you know, Hino mentioned that, how, how do we find out different ways to achieve the same outcome or better outcome, right? Th- th- does it have to be the same policy which solves for that problem to achieve the same outcome? And I think we all agree that, no, there's usually a better way to do it. And Chaba, you mentioned, well, how are you going to find that better way? Well, you experiment with things. As you peel this onion more and more, there never seems to be time, not the will. I think there is the will and there is the desire. There never seems to be time to do that experiment because we have no slack in anything we do. Everything is back to back to back. Projects are stacked on each other. Resources are managed like building blocks, which means that one thing is over, next thing starts. There's never actually time to pause and ask the question that he knows saying, like, what's the better way of achieving the same outcome? What experiment can we run? You know, so I, I find that that's, that's kind of the common thread amongst all this. So maybe the primary thing that's missing or that's holding people back from getting to continuous delivery is Slack, Slack in the system. I think that's a profound conclusion to this podcast. And uh, (laughs) we'll leave it at that. Thank you, listener, for tuning in. We'll see you again when we see you. Goodbye.